can you win the respect of the marketplace? I mean, can can the hillbilly uh, coal mining software developers get respect out there in the tech world? And uh, and we're working on that too. Hi, I'm Mona Chalabi, and you're listening to Fortune Favors the Bold, a podcast from Mastercard and Gimlet Creative. This is a show about the rule breakers who are kicking assumptions about money to the curb and creating a better future. And today's episode is about how the rules around reskilling, upskilling, whatever you want to call learning in the workplace, are changing. The old rule was that employees were responsible for training themselves with the skills they needed to stay competitive and advance in their careers. But the new idea is that now companies are taking that responsibility. Because taking care of employees doesn't just benefit those employees, it also benefits the company. Today, we'll be meeting companies that are taking the initiative and helping their employees get the skills they need to advance in their careers, while bettering their bottom lines and communities. We'll talk to someone who's devoted his career to helping companies implement innovative training programs, a chief learning officer with big ideas for the future, and the guy we just heard from, Rusty Justice. And yeah, that is his real name. Rusty is the co-founder of a software development company called BitSource, based in Pikeville, Kentucky. Pikeville is a town of about 6,000 people, two hours from the nearest airport and highway, and it's in the middle of the Appalachian Mountains. This morning I was uh, driving, it was just so beautiful to see all the colours and leaves falling, and falling Appalachia is a great thing. But before this self-proclaimed hillbilly entered the software industry, he was a mining engineer at his family's mining company. It started as his summer job in high school, and he continued on into his adult years. It's really a good life. Coal miners love coal mining. It gets, it's just like farming. It's just who we are. There's a bond between us here that uh, you can't describe to people. Rusty really liked being a miner. He liked getting his hands dirty, working hard, and the camaraderie between him and the other miners, people he'd known all his life. And it paid well. He said that salaries ranged from seventy to $120,000 a year, that's about three times as much as other local jobs. In 2010, Rusty went into business with a partner, Lynn Parrish. Their company, Jigsaw Industries, didn't only mine coal, but also provided excavation and engineering services. At first, everything was going great. But in 2013, things started to shift. Natural gas was getting cheaper and cheaper. And in 12 months' time, 70% of our entire customer base ceased to exist. They were no longer in business. And these were businesses that had been here all my lifetime. So thousands of people lost their jobs within 12 months. According to an analysis of the Appalachian coal industry ecosystem, coal production in Appalachia fell nearly 45% between 2005 and 2015. That's more than double the rate of the national decline during that same period. Rusty and Lynn saw that the mining side of their business was becoming unsustainable. Jigsaw didn't lay off any of its employees, but customers were dwindling. For Rusty, watching his friends at other companies lose their jobs was devastating. New 
have a man 50, 55 years old that worked all his life, has never missed any work, always showed up, took care of his family, loved his wife, raised his kids, paid his taxes, went to the ball game on Friday night. And that man sits in front of you and cries and says, what am I going to do? I'm going to lose my home. I'm going to lose everything. And, uh, and, and that doesn't happen once or twice, but multiple times. I mean, I was helpless. What could I do? There's no economy. There were no jobs, no clear direction to go in. But leaving Pikeville was not an option for Rusty. It had been his home and his family's home for five generations. So he began to think about what other jobs he could bring to his community. Jobs that could pay a coal mining salary. He and Lynn read everything they could. They went to expos and job fairs, travelled to check out other possible industries. We learned about agriculture and wind farms and solar farms and fish farms. And, you know, we looked into lots of things. I mean, we went and met with people that was raising caviar to, for the Russian market uh, using uh, some sort of fish that would grow in ponds around here, you know. So we, we, I mean, we tried everything. But caviar wasn't really their thing. So they kept looking until they went to a retraining expo in Lexington where they heard something promising. So this guy said a software developer makes, earns when he's, you know, fully skilled uh, the amount of equivalent to these mining jobs. So we said, hey. Rusty and Lynn saw great potential in software developing. And they learned that many of these tech jobs, currently as many as 2 million, go unfilled because Americans don't have the right skills. And Rusty knew that if any group of people can learn those kinds of logic and problem-solving skills, it would be coal miners. Coal miners in general, they do. They're doers. They're kinesthetic learners. And they're very talented. They're amazing people with an amazing work ethic. So Rusty hired one of his relatives as a coding teacher, Justin, a software developer. And then they put out an ad on their local radio station. Have you been laid off from a job in the mining industry? If you are a logic-based thinker willing to work and learn new things, we have a career opportunity for you. said, are you from the mining industry and unemployed? Would you be interested in, a, in software? We'll pay you $15 an hour and we'll train you how to do it. Rusty thought maybe they'd get 20 applicants, but that was definitely not the case. We got 950 responses in about three days. And the applicants were really good. I mean, just the, the, the amount of talent that we interviewed, the quality of the, of the applicant. And, uh, and at the end of the day, I'd go home and just worn out. I mean, it just, it was the toughest thing I've ever done. You want to help, but you can only do so much. So you know, it's like you're on the Titanic who gets on the boats, you know. The decisions were tough, but they ended up with 10 employees, all who'd worked in mining. And with a grant from the US Department of Labor, they were able to complete a 22-week certification training to bring them up to speed. They called their company Bitsource, and during the training, Bitsource employees received a salary. In the four years since it opened, the company has become sustainable and successful. They've worked on coding projects, ranging from designing websites to coding them and to creating apps. One of my favorite things about them is a list of values they have on their website. Things like honesty, integrity, and hard work. 
and their favourite college basketball team, Country Cooking and Good Jokes. Rusty says that these days, BitSource continues to support their employees by helping them learn and advance in their careers with further training opportunities. I'll give you an example of one. Uh, the guy that's here, that's uh, 50 years old, flew on an airplane for the first time to MIT and earned uh, a certification up there here about three months ago and was the best performer in the group. Are you ever worried that you're going to lose one of your employees to Silicon Valley? Actually, no, I don't think they'll go there. The whole idea is that it'd be a way for people to stay here because that's the one thing is people from here want to be here. It's hard to put into words, but um, it's home. While the transition from coal to code might be an especially dramatic example, more and more companies, big and small, are making an impact on their communities by actively supporting their workers' learning. Jamie Ford is the director of Upskill America, an organisation devoted to supporting employers that do just that. They help employers invest in all sorts of training, ranging from tuition reimbursement and high school completion programmes to courses in new skills. If I could do nothing else in the next year would be to really help companies understand how critical it is that their workers have the skills that they need so the companies can be successful. The fact that providing these opportunities helps companies be successful is kind of a new idea. Because the rules used to be that you, the employee, were responsible for training yourself for the job you want by whatever means necessary. And that if you didn't keep up, employers would just move on to someone new. Well, I think there were just too many employers who thought of turnover as a cost of doing business. I think there were other employers that were not really concerned about the long-term success of their workers. They were really just looking at their bottom line and felt like it was cheaper to just find someone new than it was to invest and build the skills of an employee. But Jamie says that given today's labour market, that attitude doesn't make sense anymore. People with the skills just aren't available and applying for jobs right now enough so the companies can get the workers that they need. And people who are looking for work don't necessarily have the resources to gain new skills all on their own. Every individual should be doing everything they can to advance themselves. But for many people in the economy that we have, it just isn't possible anymore. Companies are starting to see that if they want happy, skilled workers they need to be actively supporting their training and advancement. That's the new rule. We're seeing uh, really a lot of companies facing some factors that are forcing them to rethink the way that they've done business in the past. And there's a couple of reasons for this in addition to a tighter labour market. First, millennials are making it clear that they will not stay in a workplace where they don't see opportunities for advancement. In a study conducted by LinkedIn, 94% of respondents said they would remain at a company longer if it invested in their career development. And second, investors are speaking up too. Like Larry Fink, the CEO of BlackRock, one of the biggest investment companies in the world. In early 2018, he wrote a letter saying that to prosper over time, companies must benefit all their stakeholders. Shareholders, of course, but also employees and their communities. So according to BlackRock, 
If you want to keep your investors, you need to support your employees' advancements. And Jamie says, in the past few years, Upskill America has seen some really promising growth in the number of companies implementing these kinds of programs in their workplaces. They want to be investing in companies that they know are going to invest in the skills of their workers so the company can stay competitive over a longer period of time. After the break, we'll visit a small tech company in Cambridge, Massachusetts, that's putting these new values into action. People learning here is is a core part of how the company grows. It gets embedded in everything. You're listening to Fortune Favors the Bold, brought to you by MasterCard. As we're hearing in this episode, it's no longer just up to employees to gain the skills they need. Companies all around the world have been investing in upskilling their workforce, and MasterCard is one of them. Because it's skills that are the primary building blocks to execute, to win, and to make us relevant. That's Kelly Jocelyn, the Chief Talent Officer at MasterCard. So there's an increasing need for organizations such as MasterCard to be really focused on helping our employees with their continuous development. Kelly spends a lot of her time thinking about ways MasterCard can help workers get the new skills they need to advance their careers. One program that's doing just that is MasterCard's Relaunch Your Career program. Quite simply, Relaunch Your Career is our global returnship program. It's to help qualified, experienced mid-career professionals who've taken a career break to actually re-engage in the workforce and re-establish their careers. And then there hopefully will be the opportunity for them to join as permanent employees. And the Relaunch Your Career program has had some great success. One of the individuals who's been working on a project in our Singapore office actually has reflected on the program about how it's given her great advantage. She said actually in a recent interview that it's given me the opportunity to find myself again. And what I really love about that is that the success of the program is not only that we're tapping into a diverse talent pool with alternative backgrounds beyond financial services, but we're also giving people a new sense of purpose, connecting to that purpose, and that's what really matters. Have you taken a career break? Are you looking to re-enter the workforce? Send an email to fortunefavorsthebold at fftb at mastercard.com to learn if you qualify for the Relaunch Your Career program. That's fftb at mastercard.com. Welcome back to Fortune Favors the Bold. I've never like fully wiped out, but I have dropped a, a glass of water or two. That... <laughs> Maria Theo is the social media coordinator at a video software company called Wistia in Cambridge, Massachusetts. But she's known around the office as the person who skateboards back and forth to her meetings. Because it's like a pretty long office. Wistia has about 100 employees, and upskilling and professional development is central to their values. Wistia provides a number of programs, like bi-weekly learning meetings, hackathons, and internal training tools to help their employees learn new skills. Maria has been at Wistia for about a year and a half, but she didn't start at the role she's in now. She started on the customer support team, an entry-level position. 
She caught on to the job quickly, but she soon realized that she didn't want to work in customer service forever. Advertising and writing and like how they all work together. And so I kind of always knew in the back of my mind that it was something that I like wanted to do, but just didn't know how. She told her managers that she was interested in marketing and they heard her and supported her. They made a connection to the Wistia marketing team. She began shadowing them, offering extra help on projects and receiving on-the-job training. Eventually, she was able to move to marketing full-time. It's a very cool like, thing to be able to have so much like flexibility and still be at Wistia. Someone brings up and they say, I'm interested in doing marketing. I don't think I want to do support anymore. Or I think that you know, in the next couple of years, I want to try to do something else. We try to create that connection that someone can spend a little bit of their time learning and trying that other discipline that they wouldn't normally do. That's Chris Savage. He's the CEO and co-founder of Wistia. And maybe someone moving from customer service to marketing doesn't sound like a big deal. But for Chris... So it's a huge deal. Um, Maria has had thousands of conversations with customers. She understands the ins and outs of our product. And she understands what helps customers become successful. She knows like what we can deliver on and what we can't deliver on. She helps us be more authentic. By upskilling Maria, Wistia got so much more than just a brand new employee with social media skills. Because Maria is already fluent in the company's culture and values. And Maria's just one of a long list of employees who have moved up within the company. People learning here is a core part of how the company grows. It gets embedded in everything. Is your employer helping you build the skills that you need and want and help you grow your career for the future? And if not, maybe you need to think about either encouraging them to do that or going to a company that, that will. That's Kelly Palmer. She's the co-author of The Expertise Economy, a book about how companies can use learning to compete, engage, and succeed. She's also the Chief Learning Officer at Degreed, an online platform for companies and employees to track their individual goals and learning progress. If companies want to be successful and keep their employees, Kelly says they don't just have to provide the occasional learning opportunity. That's leftover from the old rules. Instead, they have to totally transform their culture. And what I mean by that is that every company needs to think about what kind of learning culture they have. If they have that culture where it's just about compliance training and telling people that they need to take this learning so that they'll be compliant, that is not going to be enough. Her company, Degreed, believes that it's not enough to just support employees on their learning journey. You also have to create the right environment for them to take ownership of what and how they learn. And there's no reason why companies can't start today. Because Kelly says, if you're really paying attention, learning is everywhere. When we ask people all around the world, how do you really learn? What we discover is that people are learning all the time every day using a variety of, of resources. So, for example, people are listening to podcasts um, all the time now. It's a, it's a very common way that people learn about new things. Degreed learns employees' individual interests and goals and then serves them the best podcasts, articles, books and online courses to get them there. In fact, Degreed is one of the offerings MasterCard provides for its own employees. One less high-tech tool that companies can use to implement a learning culture 
is helping employees share and exchange skills with each other. Rather than taking people out of their jobs for classroom training and then hoping that they apply whatever they learned back in their job, in this case, you're actually solving real work problems at work with your peers, and that's incredibly powerful too. Kelly encourages companies embarking on an upskilling program to identify the skills that they believe will help their employees succeed at the company. And to start out with just a few. Let's be realistic. How many skills can any one person really focus on at a given time? I think in the past, what companies have done is put together this um, pretty large, a bit complicated structure, and it's a bit overwhelming. And a lot of our the companies that we're working for have taken a simplified approach to identify just a few skills that, that are really critical that people can work on. And there's a diverse assortment of skills being taught. Of course, you have your tech skills like programming or video editing, but there's also this real need for skills like how to be a more effective communicator or increase your emotional intelligence. You might know them as soft skills. Kelly calls them power skills. But there is one skill that Kelly believes should be taught across the board. Probably the most important skill of the future is learning agility. And that's the ability to, to continuously learn and build new skills because those are the people that, that are going to figure out what the new trends and what the new skills are uh, of the future. And that future, it looks really promising. I think that everyone agrees that we've never, there's been a, never been a more exciting time to be in learning ever. There's a lot of people that are realizing they want to be part of this movement of changing the way the world learns and the way we think about learning and upskilling and reskilling our workforce. It's going to make a difference in the world of work and in the world. So maybe you work a trade that's lost in demand. Or maybe you're an entry-level job at a fast-paced startup. Despite all of that, it's clear the workplace has a need for you. And throughout the world, there's a new rule when it comes to workers learning new skills. What's good for employees is also good for the employer. Next time on Fortune Favours the Bold, we're talking about smart cities. We'll look at some of the assumptions about cities of the future, skyrocketing rents, dwindling opportunities, insane commutes, and see how innovators are fighting to stay ahead of the curve. We need to be smart about how we build our city. The way to do that is to use all the tricks that we have up our sleeves. Fortune Favors the Bold is a production of Mastercard and Gimlet Creative. This episode was produced by Kerry-Ann Thomas, Jorge Estrada, B.A. Parker, Matt Schultz, Cassandra Sump, and Bradley Campbell. Production assistance from Max Gibson. Sarah Geis is our editor. Our Mastercard executive producers are Christine Elliott and Marcy Cohen. Mastercard editorial direction from Brooke Capsironi. Our Mastercard mid-roll producers are Arsalan Darnish and Raina Karmat. We got additional help from Mira Belgrave, Kristen Haynes, and Rebecca Kaufman. Rob Hahn mixed this episode. Technical direction from Zach Schmidt and our theme song is by Bobby Lord. I'm Mona Chalabi. See you next time.